0: Before you get ready to leave for that long overdue beach vacation you've been dreaming about for months, there are some important steps you gotta take before you set off for your getaway. Step number one, you're gonna be out in the sun, so make sure to pack your swimsuits and sunscreen. Step number two, prepare your house for your absence. Program that thermostat, unplug appliances, and don't forget to water your plants. Step number three, confirm all your reservations your flights, restaurants, your hotel or rental. In step number four, make sure said hotel or rental isn't haunted by a dark, vengeful spirit, because this will easily turn your dream vacation into a nightmare. In today's story, Tom, Sophia, and their two daughters set out for a much-needed vacation by the sea. They choose an adorable little house by the beach, but find out after arriving... This house is much more than they bargained for. Welcome back to Avery After Dark. I am your host, Avery Ross. I'm glad you're here with me today. As always, if you're enjoying Avery After Dark, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you listen on Spotify, you can leave a rating on that too. And be sure to share Avery After Dark with your friends, family, coworkers. It all helps so much in growing the show, so thank you. Today, I have a very spooky ghost story for you. So sit back, relax, and let me tell you a story. This is Please Keep Out of the Attic. The days are long, but the years are short. It seems the older you get, the quicker time passes you by. As I sat at work one day, I had a realization. It had been so long since my family had gotten away together. We hadn't taken a trip just the four of us in years. Something always got in the way. School, or too busy with work. There's always a reason not to do something, isn't there? I hopped online one evening at home and started searching for a spring break getaway for my family. And I found an ideal spot. A little blue, charming cottage by the sea in St. Augustine, Florida. I had heard great things about St. Augustine. The history of the town, the beautiful beaches, the great local restaurants and attractions... Amongst all the other listings, for some reason, the blue cottage stuck out to me. I scrolled through photos of the property and then called my wife, Sophia, over to check it out. I could tell from the look in her eye as I showed her, she wouldn't need much convincing. The charming blue cottage, as it was named on the website, was a four-bedroom, two-story, blue house with a nice front porch and picturesque white picket fence surrounding it. Oh, Tom, Lucy and Molly would have a blast here. Sophia said excitedly as we both stared into the screen. And they would. Our daughters were 18 and 15, Lucy being the oldest and off to college next year. I knew this would be one of the last trips for us as a family for a while. Soon she would be off living her own life, making new memories, probably going on spring break with her new college friends in the following years. And I was thrilled for her, but I wanted to take advantage of these last times together, just the four of us. Molly, our youngest, is 15, and the most easygoing girl you'll meet. Our daughters got along great, and luckily for me, they still enjoyed hanging around their parents, and I'm grateful for that. This rental was only two blocks from the beach and only a few streets over from some of the best local restaurants and shops. I knew the girls would be extra intrigued by the shopping and would love the proximity to everything. So I messaged the owner of the property inquiring about a Sunday to Sunday stay during spring break. The next day, I received a message back. The owner of the property, a man named Mark, told me the house was open and available for the dates I asked about. He also said the house was a popular choice for families on vacation. The cottage only had a couple reviews, but they all seemed positive, so I booked it. The months passed by quickly as they do, and a couple days before our trip, we were getting everything set up for our vacation packing and loading up the car. It was only an eight-hour drive for us, so we decided to turn the trek into a road trip. As we were packing up our car one afternoon, I got a message from the property owner confirming our stay. Mark gave me all the additional details for our trip, most importantly, giving me the front door code to get into the house. Mark's message read, The code is 6756 I hope you and your family enjoy your stay at the Charming Blue Cottage and please let me know if you need anything at all. One important thing though, the only rule for the house is please keep out of the attic. Keep the door shut and locked at all times. No one is allowed up there for any reason at all, no matter what you hear. Thanks, Mark. No matter what you hear, what a strange thing to say. I instantly began wondering what was in the attic. I figured he must use it for his own personal storage or something along those lines. Perhaps he lives in the home when it's not rented. In that case, I don't blame him for wanting to maintain some privacy. Mark's message was a bit strange, but I didn't think much else about it. Sunday came and Sophia, Lucy, Molly, and I all piled into the car with our bags filled to the brim with swimsuits and suntan lotion. We were officially on our way to a week of fun in the sun, and we were all more than excited. We rolled into St. Augustine around 6 p.m., and by the time we made it in, we were ready to get out of the car. We followed the last bit of directions to the rental, and when we pulled up, we saw it was just as it was pictured online. When you imagine a quaint cottage by the sea, this is the home that pops into your head. We parked in the driveway, and the girls jumped out of the back seat excitedly. "'Whatever bedroom is biggest, I get that one!' Lucy yelled out as they raced each other to the front door. Sophia and I made our way up to the porch, we punched in the code Mark gave, and we were in. The girls and I began a quick tour of our beachside oasis for the next week. The downstairs floor had a front dining room, kitchen, and family room. The upstairs had the four bedrooms, and the entire place was decorated with beach decor bowls of seashells on every table. How about this place? I think we're in for a good week, I said to the girls as they smiled back at me. We looked around the second story for a bit and then I turned to head back downstairs. That's when I first noticed it. I saw the attic door Mark had mentioned at the far end of the second floor hallway near the rooms that Lucy and Molly had chosen. I also saw it had not one, but two locks on the outside of the door, a large iron slide deadbolt, in a brass chain lock. Whatever was up in that attic, he definitely wanted to keep it locked up tight. We began settling in, unpacking the car and dropping our suitcases in our rooms. We then decided we were all starving. Road trips, take it out of ya. So we drove a few streets over to grab some dinner at a local fresh seafood spot. After dinner, we got back to the cottage and watched some TV together in the family room. The long drive had gotten to us, Sophia and I eventually called it a night, leaving Molly and Lucy downstairs watching TV. We're heading to sleep, girls. Good night, Sophia said. We'll be up in a bit. Night, mom. Night, dad, the girl said. Sophia and I made our way into the bedroom and collapsed onto the bed. Not long after falling asleep, I was awoken to the sounds of footsteps outside her bedroom door. I looked over to the clock on the bedside table and it read 12.11 a.m., We had been asleep for just over an hour. I didn't know why, but I suddenly felt unsettled. Maybe the unfamiliar house. I sat up and heard the footsteps again. Then I heard Molly's laugh. I pushed myself out of bed and walked over to the door, swung it open to see an empty hallway. I then looked up and saw the attic door was wide open. Girls? I called out. Yeah, Dad, we're in here, Lucy shouted from one of the bedrooms. I walked down the hallway and saw both my daughters in one of the bedrooms, casually lying on the bed, talking and texting on their phones. Hey, what's going on? Why is the attic door open? I asked. Oh, we kept hearing noises coming from up there. So we unlocked it and checked it out, Molly said. Anything interesting up there? I asked. Not really, just some old boxes and stuff. It was weird though. We swore we heard a strange thumping sound coming from up there we thought it was an animal or something, Lucy said. I turned and looked down the hallway, peering at the unlocked attic door, the light from the hallway illuminating the steps leading up to the darkness. Well, the owner asked us to stay out of there, so for the remainder of the trip, let's just keep it locked, I said to the girls. Fine by us, it was creepy up there, Lucy said. I walked over, shut the attic door closed, and locked it again. I told the girls to get some sleep, rest up for our first beach day tomorrow. I then made my way back to the bedroom and fell asleep quickly. The next morning came and we all ran up to the grocery store, picking up some food for the week. We got back to the house, brought our groceries into the kitchen, and had a bite for breakfast. We then got ready to spend our first day at the beach. It was really nice outside, 80 degrees with a slight breeze and pure sun. We packed up our things and headed out for the day. When we got back to the cottage, I told the girls I was tuckered out from the sun and was going to take a little nap. I found I was exhausted for some reason. Rest well, old man, Molly said as she high-fived me, the girls laughing. They said they were going to head into town and do a little shopping. As I climbed the stairs to the bedroom, I heard them grab their purses and close the front door as they left. The house was peacefully quiet. I was happy to have a little time to myself. I lay down on the bed, closed my eyes, and drifted off. 20 or so minutes later, I was awoken to the sound of footsteps walking up and down the hallway again outside the bedroom door. I figured the girls were back from the shops or had forgotten something. A few minutes later, I heard a noise coming from downstairs. Seemed to be coming from the kitchen. Cabinets being open, shut, shuffling around. Again, I just figured that Sophia and the girls were back, maybe getting something to eat so I attempted to drift back asleep. Just a couple minutes later, my eyes still closed and only half awake, I heard the bedroom door open, and then someone sat on the other side of the bed next to where I was laying. Then I felt a hand lightly press against my back. You're back so soon, I said, opening my eyes, rolling over to face my wife. Except there was no one there. The room was empty. I quickly sat up and looked around. Sophia? I called out. No response. The house was quiet. How strange. I could have sworn someone was just in the room with me. I knew I heard that door open, and I knew I felt someone touch me. And as soon as I sat up, it was the strangest thing. I suddenly felt a sense of irritation. I couldn't place why, but I just felt on edge. Guessing maybe I was hangry, I got out of bed and made my way downstairs. As I walked down the stairway, I heard a quiet laughter coming from the kitchen, and then heard a chair being pulled out. The girls were home. I knew it. What's the problem? You guys don't answer when I call? I said as I made my way through the family room towards the back of the house. When I walked into the kitchen, I was shocked. It was a mess. The cabinets were wide open. Cups and groceries we had just bought that morning were strewn about all over the floor, but there was no one in the kitchen. I called out sternly, are you kidding, who did this? Silence. I called out again, girls, where are you? Who left the kitchen like this? Again, no response. I made my way around the cottage, checking every room, and Sophia, Molly, and Lucy were nowhere to be found. It was so strange. I could have sworn I just heard someone in the kitchen moments prior, that laughter. I looked out the window to see if they had just left out the back door, but there was no one as far as the eye could see. They had to have just slipped out without me seeing. I made my way back into the kitchen and began cleaning up the mess. An hour later, I sat in the family room watching TV, finding myself becoming more and more agitated as I waited for Sophia and the girls. Finally, I heard them returning as they came up the front porch. They walked in, shopping bags draped over their arms. Hey, Dad, the girl said. Hey, sweetie, how was your nap? Feeling rested? Sophia said as she walked in behind them. Not great. We need to have a talk. I know this isn't our house, and I know we're on vacation, but you cannot leave the kitchen how you did earlier. It took me 30 minutes to clean up your mess. Yes, 30 minutes. While you were out gallivanting around town, shopping, having a grand old time. Are you not grateful for this trip? Are you not appreciative of all I do for this family? I said to my daughters in a tone I didn't quite recognize. Again, not understanding where this anger was coming from, but feeling it explode out of me. Whoa, whoa, Tom, calm down, Sophia said wide-eyed. I could see she was shocked by my demeanor. My daughter's faces were blank and confused. Dad, what are you even talking about? Molly said timidly. I'm talking about you all coming back here while you knew I was taking a nap. You all made a racket and then you left the kitchen a mess. I heard you come back after I fell asleep," I said to them. Again, my wife and daughters looked at me like I was off my rocker. My rage was palpable. It was an anger I had never felt before and their expressions were only infuriating me further. I couldn't place why I was so enraged, but I was. Tom, honey, we haven't come back. Not since we left when you were getting ready to lie down for a rest. We got some ice cream, explored around town, but we haven't been back to the cottage, Sophia said, trying to calm me down. Yeah, and we definitely didn't leave any mess in the kitchen. We wouldn't do that, Dad. The only time we were here was with you earlier, Molly added. Well, then who was here? Someone broke in, made a ruckus, left a mess, and then left? I asked. I didn't think they were lying, really. I believed them, but I didn't know what to make of it all. I knew what I heard, and I knew what I felt. You were half asleep, Dad. Maybe you were just dreaming, Lucy said assuringly. Ugh, what is going on? I said under my breath, my hands rushing up to my head as I began rubbing my eyes. Sophia leaned in closer, trying to hide our conversation from the girls. Tom, are you alright? You don't look so good. Are you feeling okay? She asked, concerned. I'm fine, I answered back. I guess I... I don't know, maybe the nap made me groggy or something. I heard. I felt things that... Never mind. It's fine, I said, brushing Sophia off. But in reality, I was uneasy. None of this made any sense. I didn't know what was wrong with me. But I did know my daughters and wife were looking at me like I was nuts, which was only making me even more agitated, so I let it go. We all showered and headed off to dinner in town later that evening. There, we had a nice time and I felt like my normal self. Afterwards, we returned to the cottage. We sat down, watched a little TV before Sophia and I made our way upstairs. We got into bed around 11 p.m. and dozed off. I just figured I needed a good night's sleep. About an hour later, I woke up to Sophia nudging me. Tom, stop it, she said. Stop what? I said half awake. You keep pulling my feet. Stop it, she said. What are you talking about? I'm sleeping. I'm not touching your feet, I said annoyed. Yes, you are. You've been pulling my feet the past couple minutes. Cut it out, she said. Sophia, no, I haven't. I've been asleep, I said to her firmly. We both sat up, puzzled, and then we heard what sounded like someone running around downstairs. What time is it? Are the girls still awake? Sophia asked. I looked over at the clock and it read 1.12 a.m. We both got up, opened the bedroom door, and peered down the hallway. It was dark and I was shocked. The attic door was again wide open. I instantly assumed the girls had unlocked it again. How many times did I have to tell them to leave it alone? We walked downstairs expecting to see them in the family room. I was ready to scold them, but there was no one there, just darkness. We walked back upstairs and made our way into the girls' rooms and saw they were both asleep in their beds, strange. We looked at each other again, confused, sure of what we heard minutes before. I told Sophia to get back to bed and I would close up the attic again. As I made my way over to close the door shut, I saw at the top of the stairs, something, someone move, a quick darting motion. The figure was tall, the shape of a man. I quickly ran over to the light switch at the base of the steps, flicked it on, and was ready to take on whoever was in the attic. In that moment, I thought maybe it was a squatter maybe a prior guest of the home who still had the code to the front door, an intruder. I yelled out, who's up there? Silence. Answer me, I screamed. Again, nothing. Finally, I ran up into the attic and found exactly what the girls did the night before, a few dusty boxes and cobwebs, and that was it. I inspected the attic top to bottom. I checked every corner, but there wasn't much space to hide up there. There was no one there. By this point, Sophia, Lucy, and Molly were at the base of the attic steps, calling out, Dad, what's going on? What's happening? I walked back down the steps and rejoined my family. I thought I saw something. Someone up there. I could have sworn. But it's empty. My eyes playing tricks on me, I guess. Let's all just go back to bed. And girls, I'm not going to tell you again. Keep that door locked. And don't go up to the attic again, I said. Molly and Lucy looked at each other. "'Dad, we didn't. We swear. We watched TV for a bit, then came up and went to bed hours ago. We've been asleep ever since,' they said adamantly. At this point, I didn't know what to make of everything. The attic, the noises of the house, the things I had seen and felt. It was all too strange. And also, how irritable I felt. Like anger was bubbling up inside of me. A rage I didn't recognize.' But as a father i felt my role was to keep everyone calm so i assured them it was all fine it was an older house probably makes strange noises i attempted to explain away the things i had seen and heard to a lack of sleep exhaustion maybe just too much time in the sun but even i didn't believe that i urged everyone to go back to their bedrooms and we did it took me a while to fall asleep that night i laid there for hours replaying all the bizarre things that had happened since we got there, until finally I fell back asleep. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery after dark. The next morning, Sophia and I woke up around 8 a.m. As we were getting dressed, she looked at me with a concerned expression. "'Sweetie, Tom, are you all right?' "'Your eyes. You have such dark circles,' she said, walking over to me, placing her hand on my cheek. "'What?' "'I do?' I guess I didn't sleep so well, I said as I walked over to check myself out in the mirror. And she wasn't kidding. I looked awful. My skin was icy pale. My eyes bloodshot and, like Sophia said, dark circles I had never seen on myself before. I've spent some late nights at work and even raising the girls. My wife and I were in a constant state of sleep deprivation for years. But never had I ever looked like this. This bad. This week, I looked ill. My eyes were glassy. To be honest, I didn't even recognize myself as I looked in the mirror. Sophia, reading the situation well, suggested we get out of the house. So the girls and I hopped in the car and decided to have breakfast in town. We popped in a local restaurant that sat right on the ocean. Our waitress made her way over to our table, introduced herself as Gail, and we got to talking. She was a friendly Florida native, born and raised about 30 minutes outside of St. Augustine. She had a bit of a southern accent, a twang that was unique to the area. "'Where y'all staying while you're here?' she asked. "'A rental, four blocks over,' Sophia said. "'Oh, which one? "'It's funny, I've been here so long "'I pretty much know every spot in town,' Gail said laughing. "'It's a little two-story blue cottage "'with a white picket fence,' Sophia answered. Gail's face suddenly dropped. "'Oh my,' she said under her breath, "'quickly looking down. "'What?' What's wrong? Sophia asked. Nothing, I just... That house has always given me the creeps. You know, because of what happened there, Gail said. What do you mean? What happened there? We have no idea. We aren't from here. We just found the rental online, Sophia said, the girls and I intently listening. Gail took a beat and then said, well, the story around town is that in the 1960s, a man and a woman moved into that home, a married couple, Very cute. They were in their 30s and from what people say, seemed like a normal happy couple. He worked in finance for a local bank in town and she was a housewife and a beautiful one at that. They seemed very in love, but only a few weeks after moving into that house, neighbors noticed the couple started to act differently. Differently how? I asked. Well, before they moved in, they were upbeat, social. They came to all the functions in town. But people began to notice that they stopped coming out. They weren't leaving the house as much anymore. In the rare times folks would see either of them around town, they seemed tired, sad, unhappy. But it gets even stranger. One day, the man came into the hardware store and started telling people he was hearing voices in that house, voices that were telling him to do bad things. Folks said he seemed like a completely different person than before, paranoid and stressed. I think around town, people assumed he was crazy or there were problems in the marriage, but the two became recluses and then it happened. On a July day, just a few months after they moved in, neighbors watched as police swarmed the little blue cottage and then watched as they rolled two bodies out of the home. Police ruled it as a murder-suicide. The man killed his beautiful wife and then himself, Gail said. Oh my, how awful, we had no idea. Sophia replied in shock. So it's haunted, Lucy bluntly said to the waitress. Well, that's what they say. Throughout the years, it's been bought and sold numerous times. The man that owns it now, Mark, lived in the home for only a few months and then turned it into a rental. But lots of people who have come into town on vacation have stayed there and say they've had a fine time, didn't see or hear a thing. But knowing what I know, I still wouldn't stay there. It just gives me the heebie-jeebies, Gail said. "'Well, we've noticed some strange things at the house. "'Wasn't sure what was going on. "'Kinda felt like I was losing my mind for a bit,' I said. "'Well, try and enjoy your time in St. Augustine. "'You're only here for, what, a couple days? "'Surely you can make it through. "'If being at the house is bothering you, "'try getting out of there as much as you can. "'This town has so many great things to offer. "'You should really take advantage while you're here,' Gail said. "'The girls and I agreed, and then placed our breakfast orders.' As she turned to walk away, I asked her, Gail, I know this is a strange question, but do you know where they found them in the home? Gail nodded and said, they found her in the kitchen, stabbed to death, and they found him hanging from a rafter in the attic. We all looked at each other in horror, now suddenly not so comfortable in the charming blue cottage. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. As a family, we collectively decided to spend the least amount of time possible at the cottage for the remainder of our stay. We'd make it through the rest of the trip and just try to keep busy. That day, we opted to head over and visit a local aquarium. Then we walked the beach, later getting an early dinner at another local restaurant on Main Street. I don't know what it was, but the longer we were away from the house, the better I felt. Happier, joyful, lighter. You're getting some color back in your face. You're looking so much better, Sophia said to me as we sat at supper. I feel better, honestly, I said as I grabbed her hand and smiled. And I meant it. I love being with my family. And the farther away from that house we were, the more I felt and remembered that. After dinner, we meandered around town for a little bit longer, killing time. It was about 9 p.m. and it was finally time to head back to the cottage for the evening. Dad, do you believe in ghosts? Molly asked me from the back seat on our drive home. I don't know. I never really thought about it. I remember hearing ghost stories as a kid, but I don't know, I said back. I looked in the mirror to see Molly and Lucy in the backseat of the car, looking worried. It'll be fine, girls. We only have a few more days here. We're going to have a great rest of the trip, and then we'll head home, I said. I looked over and could tell Sophia was also uneasy about spending another night in the house. Unlike me, she was always a believer in energies, spirits, good and bad. Upon finding out the history of the house, I could sense she was disturbed. I put on a brave face, but to be honest, it was all disturbing for me too. When we got back to the cottage at first, we were all a little nervous. We cozied up in the family room together and started watching a movie. Everything seemed rather normal, and we eventually let our guards down a bit. After the movie, Lucy showed us photos of what would be her future dorm at college next year. She had fun showing us pictures of her new campus, and despite a bit of unease, we made the most of our evening at the house. I watched the clock strike 11 and felt my eyelids getting very heavy. Sophia and I said we're going to bed. Well, don't leave us down here alone. We're coming to bed too, the girls said in unison. We all made the decision to prop a wooden chair up against the attic door so it would not and could not open. It wasn't much, but it made us feel a little bit more secure. Molly and Lucy decided to share a guest bedroom for the remainder of the trip, as they were a bit weirded out from Gail's story earlier and felt better not sleeping alone. We all made our way upstairs, wedging the chair securely underneath the attic's doorknob. Then we made our way into our bedrooms for the night, shutting our doors behind us. Sophia and I turned off the lights, laid down, and dozed off to sleep. Suddenly, I was awoken to that sound of a woman laughing downstairs. Half asleep, I realized what I was hearing and instantly recognized it. It was the same laughter I heard the other day in the kitchen. I sat up, and it stopped. I looked over at Sophia, and she was still fast asleep. I listened intently a few more minutes, but didn't hear a thing. I laid my head back down, and it couldn't have been more than 20 seconds later, I heard a loud screeching sound coming from down the hallway. Then a loud thud, and then the girls' screams echoed throughout the entire house. Sophia and I jumped up, turned on the lights, and opened our door. Our stomachs dropped as we saw the attic door was somehow wide open again, and the chair we used to barricade the door now laid on its side in the middle of the hallway. We ran into the girls' room to find their door wide open and the two holding onto each other. I quickly turned on their light as the girls yelled out terrified. We woke up and there was someone in our room standing over us, a tall figure holding out his hands, walking right towards us like he was going to grab us. Sophia ran to the girls to comfort them while I looked up and down the hallway, ran up into the attic to again find nothing. No one. That was enough for us. I told the girls to grab their things and hop into the car. We'd come back in the morning to grab the rest of our things, but we needed to get out of there. It was two in the morning. We drove a few miles away to a local motel and booked a room for the night. All of us still in our pajamas, terrified. We got into our hotel room for the night and we were safe. We were out of that house. The next morning, I woke up and messaged Mark immediately telling him about what had happened and also alerting him that we would be checking out early. We'd be spending the rest of our trip at the motel. He agreed to meet me at the house later that day to talk. Sophia and I headed back over around noon to pack up the rest of our things. Molly and Lucy stayed at the motel, refusing to ever step foot in that house again, and I don't blame them. When we walked inside, we found the kitchen in complete disarray again. Cupboards open, chairs pulled out, cups and groceries lying all over the floor just as it was a few days before it was around that time that mark arrived and walked inside he introduced himself to us and then looked over to the kitchen floor and to my surprise he didn't seem surprised we cannot stay another night in this house my wife said to mark there is something awful here your house is haunted again i noticed that mark didn't look surprised and just nodded He went upstairs as Sophia and I packed up our belongings downstairs, placing our things by the door. We then heard Mark make his way back downstairs. He said, You opened the attic door. I said, Yes. Our girls heard something up there the first night, so they opened it up. Since then, every night we've woken up to it being opened. We've seen things, heard things. Mark listened and then paused for a moment, and then said, You let them out. Mark continued, Shortly after moving into this house, I experienced a lot of the things you told me you experienced. Hearing things, seeing things, it got bad. Bad to the point I couldn't stay here any longer. I had a priest come over to cleanse the house. After that, my friend suggested I bring in a medium. She came here and said a lot of the dark energy was centered in the attic. She did some work on the home and told me to keep the attic locked at all times. And for the most part, it seemed to work. The activity stopped, or at least it was more manageable. You would still hear things on occasion up there. Strange noises, footsteps. A few months later, after the activity was contained, I began renting the place out for vacationers, which was my original plan for the cottage. And for the most part, visitors haven't had an issue. But I always tell everyone who stays here to keep out of the attic. When your daughters unlock that attic your first night here, it seems they let them out. Sophia told Mark we had heard about the history of the home in town, and he said it was all true. Mark said the entity in the home seemed to feed on any man who lived there, and he's convinced that entity led the man to kill his wife and himself back in the 1960s. Mark assured us that he was calling a priest back over and also the medium he had worked with before, but to be quite frank, we didn't care. We were out of there. We got the rest of our things and we were happy to see the not-so-charming blue cottage in the rearview mirror. The rest of our vacation was very peaceful. We slept through the nights, but safe to say my family is still shaken by what happened to us at that cottage by the beach. I realized that was where my anger and rage was coming from. It was the house. It all came from that entity that lingers in the attic. The second that attic was unlocked, It began to work on me, as it worked on that man in the 60s. On our way out of town that Sunday morning, we made a pit stop. One last place the entire family felt we needed to visit before we left. A little church at the end of Main Street. We passed it a few days before, and given everything that had happened to us, we knew we needed to counteract the darkness with light. We attended the service, and at the end, as we were leaving, pulled the minister aside and explained to him what happened. He was more than understanding and blessed me, Sophia, and my daughters. We left town that day and made our way back home, leaving behind the not-so-charming blue cottage and also leaving behind whoever or whatever is in that house. Please Keep Out of the Attic is an Avery After Dark original and I so hope you enjoyed. Looking forward to next episode. Until then... This is Avery After Dark.